So this week, um, uh, we celebrated our 14th anniversary. So yeah. Yes. So that's a good, that's a big milestone. And so when I think about risk, uh, which we're talking about today, I, I think about marriage and really any relationship. And I don't mean that in any kind of funny way. I mean, when you uh, decide to commit yourself to another person in a relationship or a marriage, there's always risk. Mm -hmm. You never know exactly, you never definitely know exactly how that might end up. And I think when uh, Didi and I got together about 15 years ago and then got married 14 years ago, I think um, some people might have looked at us as a little bit of a risky uh, proposition. <laughs> she won't like me to say it. Oh, I think my mom just raised her hand. <laughs> I was going to say she won't like me to say it, but she just raised her hand. <laughs> she often says, I'm not sure what we did wrong. My sister married a drummer with long hair. Um, I married a singer with long hair. My mom says, what did we do wrong that you felt this need to balance that? She really that? did say that. She really did say that. She loves my wife. Yes, so. yes. But so something I think, and I think you can look at us and maybe wonder that. I mean, I'm tall. We're like the real life Mutt and Jeff. She's not so tall, right? I'm not so tall, except big hair and heels, right? Right. Mm -hmm. um, she has spent her life on the stage. Now, this is my first time to ever stand on a stage. No, it's not. <laughs> no, don't panic. It's not really my first time to ever stand on stage. But she's been here a lot more than I have. Um, so there are, are, are a lot of differences. But um, the differences are what make us stronger and what uh, make us uh, a unit and And you're, well. you're the real loud one in the bunch. Right. I'm the quiet one. That's right. <laughs> so we're supposed to be honest today. Yes. All right. Uh, <laughs> So, um, uh, relationships can be scary. They're risky. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. But um, what we know is that if we don't put ourselves out there and, and take that risk, that uh, we're never going to find that balance. And I know that um, for a lot of my life, I, I tried to push that to the side. I tried to, uh, to uh, build up those walls to keep myself safe. But uh, definitely, this is much better. <laughs> I'm thankful for that. Me too. You know, Jeff, this week I, I, I looked up what risk and safety really meant. Because for me, risk was always a bad word and safety was always a good word, right? Safety was the word for me that, uh, what did mom teach you? You know, find that safe place. You're always in the safe arms of Jesus. You're always can hold on to him and feel safety. Oh, my goodness. But when you look up the word risk, it means to expose something. And for me, a lot, a lot of time, risk was exposing something that was bad. But here's the little minor detail that sometimes we forget is that sometimes risk can expose something amazing. Not just something bad, but something wonderful. And safety, what do we know about safety? Is that safety is that place of protection. But I'm not sure that protection is always good. Because we get so protected sometimes, right? That we've missed out on the good stuff that was exposed. So sometimes risk can be better than safety, right? I had to really flip that in my mind and really think about what that meant. So uh, this morning, uh, our scripture is coming from Matthew. So a lot of the book of Matthew is told in parables. 
uh, Jesus telling stories to the disciples and his followers, uh, helping prepare them for when he's no longer there. Now, they may not have understood that that's what all those stories were about, but we know the end of the story, so we kind of have a, the broader picture about what those are about. And so this morning's story comes from a Matthew 25, uh, verses 14 through 30. So we will read that together. It's on the screen, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, I'm not a regular preacher, so 101, bring a Bible to the stage with you. I didn't do that. So I'm going to read it from the screen. <laughs> All right. You're up there, then. He's not ready yet. I don't have it. There he goes. All right. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me the two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Either into the, enter into the joy of your master. And the one with Going backwards. And the one with the two talents also came forward saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, is what, here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not reap? Then you, <laughs> <scatter. There> you, <laughs> then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's kind of a harsh ending to that story. Ouch. But here we see that this master bestowed these gifts on these slaves. And what he expected was to see some return on those. Um, the amount that he gave them, these talents, they're called talents, and it's kind of a, a coincidence. Um, uh, that we can use that word for something else and might be able to translate that in that way. But what we're actually talking about here is a sum of money. And so a talent, is, as you may know, is valued back then about, um, about 20, worth 20 years worth of a day laborer's salary. So this was a lot of money. And so they were given this money and asked to uh, keep it. And then when the master came back, he wanted to know, well, what happened to the money? <laughs> and so the, the two who invested the money, they were greatly rewarded because they had taken what was given to them and made even more out of it. And the one who dug it in a hole, he was punished because he hadn't taken those gifts and made something out of them. 
That's basically what God expects us to do. God's blessed us with many things, gifts of all sorts, whether it's financial, whether it's a talent, whether it's the time you have. But he expects us to take that and make more of it, to use it in his honor. And when we do, the amazing thing from this story that we learn is that the more we do, the more we know God, the more God rewards us by sharing his life with us and by our sharing our lives with him and deepening that understanding of him. So, uh, but risk is a scary thing. We know that investing money like these guys did, that's a scary thing. We know we can invest money and sometimes uh, it will increase in value, but sometimes it will decrease in value. So it's a, it's a risk, it is definitely a risk and risk is scary. So today we're gonna look at three ways risk is actually greater than safety. And the first one that we're gonna talk about is that risk is greater than safety because risk opens the door for a fuller life for ourselves. So when we open that door to see what's on the other side, we're gonna find out that we can have fuller lives because of what, uh, what God offers us. Um, when I was about 16 or 17 years old, uh, I was at church, I grew up at Plymouth Park in Irving, and my youth director's name was Terry Price. Um, if you've been at Lover's Lane a really long time, you may know Terry Price as a former music director here, but I knew him first, and uh, he was my uh, youth director. He was actually still in seminary at that time. So um, one summer, I had the opportunity to um, babysit his son many times over the summer. His son, I was probably 16 or 17, I think, because I was driving. I think he was six or seven. Um, so I got to babysit his son a few times over the summer. And one time, a friend of, and I took Scott to Six Flags. And we took him and we rode all the rides. We spent the morning riding all the rides that six and seven-year-olds liked. And then we came upon um, the Roaring Rapids, which I don't know if you remember, but it's this big raft. It takes you bumping down through a river. You feel like you're going to fall out in the water. You get wet. It's a little bit scary. So we said, Scott, you want to go ride Roaring Rapids? He's like, no, that is too scary. So are you sure? It's a lot of fun. No, 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 no. All right, just one last chance. You know, we'll have you buckled in. You'll leave have a bar in front of you. We'll be there to keep you safe. He thought about it a minute and he said, okay, I'll give it a try. So we rode it and he had a blast. White knuckled blast, but he did have a blast riding on that raft. So we went through our day and then we came upon the Judge Roy Scream, which at that time was the big wooden roller coaster of the place. Um, there's a lot bigger ones now, but at that point it was a big one. We said, Scott, you want to ride the Judge Roy Scream? No, that looks too scary. So we said, you sure? It's a lot of fun. <laughs> no, nope, nope, not for me. And we said, you know, we'll be there with you. We'll keep you safe. You'll be buckled in, barred in, whatever. You'll be safe. Thought about it in a minute. Said, okay, I'll give it a shot. So we rode it, white knuckles. I think we rode it seven times in a row. We went round and round and round riding it. So we went on with the day and then we came to the shockwave, which at that point was the monster roller coaster at Six Flags. Two loops, you go upside down, the whole thing. Scott, you wanna ride the shockwave? No, that looks too scary. You sure? It's a lot of fun. No, 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 no. We're gonna have you buckled in, saved all that stuff. Okay, okay, I'll give it a try. So we went and rode the shockwave. What happened after that ride is that Scott became a roller coaster enthusiast. Uh, I think you might call him a roller coaster fanatic. He began researching roller coasters. He knew all about roller coasters all over the country. He knew all the biggest ones, where they were, all their statistics. And this was before the internet. Uh, you had to go to the library uh, to find out these facts. <laughs> he joined um, the Roller Coasters Enthusiasts uh, Society of America or something like that. 
This is when you had to fill out a paper form, put a check in the envelope, and mail it off. Scott's first job, Six Flags. I'm not sure exactly what it was. Maybe it was sweeping pink thing sticks. I don't know. But uh, Scott still works at Six Flags. Scott's developed a career making, uh, taking something he loved, he's turned it into a career. He works in um, IT, doing analyst kind of stuff that I don't understand. But he's made a career out of uh, something that he discovered when he took a risk when he was a kid. Risk is scary, but sometimes that's what we have to do to discover the fullness of life. And sometimes I think we choose safety for a lot of different reasons, fear being key amongst them, like we just sang about. Fear of, uh, what, we've, uh, of what, we might, what we might lose, uh, the time we might have to give up, the money we might lose. But I think ultimately the fear comes from our experience because we've experienced something. Maybe we've uh, invested some money. Maybe we've ridden that roller coaster. Maybe we've put our heart out there. Maybe we've uh, made some kind of commitment that we, that we were rejected about. And maybe we've done those things and in the, in the, in we've had a negative response. And so we've had that experience. So the next time we come upon those, we're afraid to take that risk again. We're going to wrap ourselves in the bubble wrap and cover our heads and just move forward in a safe way. I think sometimes we have to start looking at things through the eyes of a child. There's, there's a quote. I'm going to read it because I don't remember. I don't know who said it, but to see the magic of life through the wondrous eyes of a child. Just like Scott. When Scott was able to, Scott could see these things and, and be excited about them because he didn't know really what kind of uh, results there might be. When we can see the risk in front of us through the eyes of a child and not worry about the bad part, but focus on the positive results that might come from them, we're going to start to discover the true fullness that life has to offer. I also find, Jeff, that risk is greater than safety because risk opens the doors to helping other people. And it helps other people have a fuller life. So not just me. But it also allows those that God puts in my path to be able to help. And that's not easy either. Because there comes the risk of those that will reject you. There comes the risk of those that will tell you, oh, what you did was terrible. You also just simply fight the risk of hurt. That lead to a million different things that you question about yourself. What does it mean to really take a risk to help someone else have a fuller life. What does that look like? What does that mean? <laughs> and oh my goodness, do you know the work? That means I may miss going by Starbucks and getting my coffee because I don't have enough time. That means I may miss that show that I like to watch every Tuesday night. If you're like Jeff and I, you DVR it, so that's not a great one either, right? It may mean for some of you that the most precious thing that you love to do, which for me is spending time with my family, and maybe I've got to take a few extra minutes to do what God's called me to do in that moment and in that place than what I want to do. So when I was a little girl, 10 years old, I grew up in this music family. You guys know that, right? I grew up with uh, my dad who... Uh, 
has two master's degrees in engineering, and, and I had a mother who um, raised my brother and put herself through college in the 50s, marries my dad, and she's in music, and then I come along. And my mom is almost 50 years old. And my mother, y'all, could sing. She's this gigantic alto. My mom had a group. They were really good. There were always amazing singers and musicians in my home. One day, one of my mother's singers got sick. And I heard my mom in her dressing room talking to my dad, trying to figure out what are we going to do. I don't know what we're going to do. We have a huge concert at the Civic Center in East Texas. What are we going to do? Well, I knew what she needed to do. And I'll never forget, I had to walk up the stairs, and my parents' house was built in 1906, y'all. And walking up those steps, there were 13 of those steps, and every single one of them creaked all the way up. I was scared to death. I don't ever remember those steps creaking until I needed to walk up and talk to my mother. And I remember walking up those steps and walking into her dressing room, and I'm like, Hey, Mom. Hi, sweetie, what's going on? Not much. Hey, Mom, I know exactly who needs to sing with you this weekend. And she said, well, who, sweetie? I said, me. That's what she did. (laughs) That's exactly what she did. She laughed. She thought that was hysterical. I said, Mom, I'm serious. I can do this. I had been doing some solo work. I had sung at Johnny High since I was two years old. I could do this. And I remember her looking at me. And my mother was beautiful. But she said, honey, she said, do you know what you're singing about? Oh, yeah, mom, I'm singing about Jesus. I know, I know. He died for me. God's love the world. I was quoting my scripture. But I went to Christian school, so of course I could quote scripture. She goes, no, no, no. Right here. Right here. Do you know what you're singing about? So when you're 10, all you can think of, well, that's probably a no. But I remember about an hour later, my mother came down those same stairs, but they didn't seem to creak that time. And she said, hey, sweetie, she said, let's try it. Let's try it. And so we got on the bus, And we had a big tour bus that we traveled in, and I'll never forget, we would set a keyboard right in the wheel house. It was just this big square area of the bus, and we all would sit around. And so on my way two hours to East Texas, not far from where the boss is from, I'm learning all the material that we're going to do. But I'm also sitting there thinking about, do I really know what I'm singing about? And here's the really cool part. I'm so thankful that my mother took a risk on me. Right in that moment, even though she was my mom, and even though I know we think that's what all moms should do, that's not what my mom did. This was for Jesus, so we didn't play around with that. But she took a risk on me, and I'm thankful for that. (laughs) So the third way that risk is greater than safety is that Risk opens the door to a fuller relationship with God. 
Risk gives us the opportunity to know and understand and experience God in a way that we couldn't if we rested in our safe spot. So uh, looking back at that scripture for a second, we talked about the talents and the, the, the great value that they had. The other part of that is that uh, talents were heavy. They were a measurement of, uh, of precious metal like silver or gold or something like that. Some, some say that weighed between 50 and 80 pounds. So this wasn't coins you could keep in your pocket or carry around in your purse. These were big, heavy loads of, of value. Although I've seen some of these women's purses. <laughs> maybe, maybe your purse. <laughs> but so one talent would be 50 to 80 pounds. So imagine what five talents would be, the weight of that. So what we sometimes miss in this story is the weight of what those gifts meant. And the weight, the heaviness of God's gifts to us. When we know God, when we've truly experienced God, when we've thought about what God's given to us and what God's given up for us, when we think about the expanse of God's love and God's creation, when we fully recognize who God is, it's almost impossible not to feel the heaviness of that responsibility on our shoulders. It's almost impossible not to feel a need to respond to what God has given to us, to God's mercy in our lives. Not because of some guilty feelings or because of some uh, religious morality or because of some list of rules someone gave you, but because we have this honest desire to respond to God's love in our life in a way that will honor what God's done for us. When the past five, uh, past 10, 12, maybe 15 years, I've been in a lot of churches. Uh, my jobs have taken me to a place where I've been in a lot of churches. I mean, literally hundreds of churches. And I have to tell you, I promised I wouldn't do that, um, to myself anyway. Um, I have to tell you that there are very few, there are no places that I have, um, that create the space to experience God's love, like Lover's Lane and, and Crosswalk in particular. I've not experienced that in any other church that I've been in in the past few years. This is a safe space. And it's not just because of the amazing music. It's not just because of the awesome preaching that usually happens up here on the stage. It's because of you. It's because of the love you're willing to share with one another. It's because of your acceptance of each other. It's because you welcome people regardless of their past, of their beliefs, of your differences with them. You love anyone who walks through this door. So sometimes I look around this room and I think, why isn't every seat in this room packed? Why aren't we setting up more chairs? Why aren't we telling people we've run out of room, we're gonna do another one later? And I wonder if it's because we become so comfortable in the safety that this room creates, that this space that we've created here, that we don't step out and risk to make sure that everyone gets to experience the love that we experience here. Because there are so many people in this world who need exactly what we experience here every Sunday. You know people. I know people who they need God's love more than anything, and they haven't found it. 
I think we don't take that risk to invite those people to come to us to discover that here because maybe we've done that. Maybe it's our experience that we've done that and people said, I don't need God or I've been to church. I know how those people are. Or maybe it's because we like the way it is here. We know when we bring more people, there's a chance that's going to change. There's the risk that that might change. But what I also know is that when we reach out to other people and we share God's love with them, the crazy, amazing part is God rewards us by understanding God better, by deepening our relationship with God, by helping us understand that by sharing what we have, which is what it tells us in that scripture, we're going to understand and know God even better. So we've all taken risks. Every one of us. Imagine while you're sitting here in your brain, you have got a million of those. Oh, yeah, I tried that. Been there, done that. I wore that T-shirt more than once, and that was terrible. We've all taken risks. And in a moment, we're going to ask you to take another risk in your commitment to Crosswalk and what this church means. Because here's what I know about our church. When you take a risk on our church, our church is going to take a risk on other people by making sure they have school supplies, by making sure that children all over the world have food. This church takes risk every week. And we're able to do that because you take a risk. Here's the crazy part that I figured out this week for myself. And some of you will probably look at me and go, well, duh. But here's the cool thing. You know what the antidote for risk is? The antidote for risk is faith. The antidote for risk is faith. Because all that you've been given, it's not yours to begin with. God gave that to you. So it really isn't ours to give anyway. God just lets us do that because that's part of our Methodist feeling of free will, right? But the antidote to risk is our faith. We've been redeemed by Christ. We've been given that chance, and he took a risk for us when he sent his son. He takes a risk on us every day. So the greatest example of setting what it means to really risk it all was our Heavenly Father. Sometimes I find myself saying, hey, I will give up that five minutes for my Starbucks. I can do that. But don't make me go a whole week without my Starbucks. But I want to get myself to a place where I can give up a month, a year, if that's what God calls me to. Because I'm willing to risk everything. Because here's the crazy part, too, is that safety isn't always the best place. And as my friend Josh reminded us in that video, safety is not always the best place. Because none of us are in this room because we played it safe. Either with your partner, with your job, with this church. Safety isn't always the answer. Safety can sometimes lead you to a place where it's destructive for you. Imagine. Imagine if God had played it safe. 
they're not going to listen anyway. I mean, hello, we let a gentleman go that had murdered and killed and, and stolen. And they said, no, let him go free. The antidote to risk is faith. What have you been needing in your life that you know I get in my comfort zone and I love my comfort zone? What is that for you? What is it meant for you to take risks? What is that one big risk that you know you need to take? My challenge for all of us is that we take the risk to fill this room where people know we ain't playing here. We are not perfect. We mess up. We have a lot of mistakes going on in this place because we are people. And this is a church that's full of people that make mistakes. But here's what I will tell you is that we are willing to take a risk on one another. We are willing to reach out and love one another. And we are willing to do it in Jesus' name because Jesus took risk on us. When I walked in this door almost two years ago, you took a risk on me, and I thank God for that every day. My boss took a risk on me today. And I thank you for taking a risk. I thank you for loving me. But most of all, I thank you for loving each other and allowing God to use you in a way that says, I'm not afraid. The Pastor Don is coming around as we prepare for communion. And as you prepare this time for communion, what I want you to do is that card that you got, that commitment card. Now remember, it's for two years. Looks like this. I want you to take a risk. I want you to fill it out and say, Lord, by faith. Because it's not mine anyway, it's yours. Jeff and I have been praying over it ourselves. Lord, what does it mean for our household to take a risk on our church? Because we love our church. What does that mean? So we ask you to fill this out. And as you come up for communion, we're going to ask you to lay it at the altar. And then what we're going to do is we're going to pray over that and we're going to hold each other accountable to that. Because we, we don't want to play it safe in here, do we, Crosswell? Hello? Hello? We don't want to play it safe in here, do we, Crosswell? It's worth the risk.